All right, y'all. Good morning once again. Uh, real quick before we get started, I want to just plug camp. Uh, listen, if you have a camp age kiddo, like he said, from 7th grade to 12th grade, I promise you that even if you have to force them, they will not regret going to camp or the experience that they will have there. You all have heard me say it before, but I will say it again. I am here in the position that I am today because I went to camp, because I was forced to go to camp at a time that I wanted nothing to do with Jesus and nothing to do with camp. And I went anyways because that's what I told, was told I was going to do. And the one thing I was still doing correctly in my life was honoring my father and mother. <laughs> um, and also, I just was really afraid of my mom. So there's that too. Uh, but I went to camp and camp changed my life. And so I would encourage you to go. I think that you will love camp. I, I will bet you money that you will not regret your experience one iota. That means not even a little bit. Okay, you won't regret it at all. Uh, so go to camp. If you have opportunity to go to camp, go to camp. If you can go to those dates, go because you will love it. You will not regret it and it will change your life for the better. Okay, one other thing I need to plug. I should have put it with Jake's announcements, but I and me and forgot. Next Sunday, yes, next Sunday we are having a baptismal Sunday. Okay, so we're going to get the baptismal out. We're going to fill it up with water. I'll put the heater in it. That really doesn't do much. So prepare to freeze, Richard. Uh, if you would like to be baptized on that day, if you have not been baptized before and you would like to be baptized, we want you to be baptized. Come talk to me after church so we can talk about what that looks like and what you need to do in order to have that take place. But it'll be a powerful experience. And I hope that if you haven't already done that, that you will participate in that with us. All right, having said all that, we are going to begin. We are in Son of None, our series on Joshua. We are in week two, and we are looking at something that I like to call preparing for progress. Now, I don't know about anybody else in this room or online that may be watching, uh, but I love vacations. Anybody else say we can agree with that? I absolutely, positively love vacations. Week long, three days, doesn't matter. You send me on a trip, and I am happy in my element. Uh, I, however, hate preparing for vacations, right? Because that's always a big ordeal. First and foremost, we always have to clean the house. And I don't mean like slightly clean the house, like put stuff up. I mean like spotless. It is one of my wife's requirements for going on vacation. I will say that I am always appreciative of that when I get home from vacation and you come home and the house is clean and everything's where it's supposed to be and all you have to do is unpack and there's not a million other things to do. It really is like one of the best feelings in the world. Uh, but I hate and I do mean hate cleaning in preparation for that vacation, right? And then there's all the packing. Now, if you ask me, I need like one shirt, a pair of shorts, and a washing machine, and I'll be fine, right? I can just wash it and wear it the next day, and we'll all be good. I don't care what people think as long as it's clean and I don't smell like a wet dog, uh, which I have been known to do at times. Uh, I'm happy. So like, give me two things, I'm ready to go. But we have to pack everything for the girls, and that's like a million things, all the outfits and stuff. And then you got to get all the snacks for the trip, right? You got to get all the snacks in the snack bag. And now Cordelia is like gluten-free and egg-free and dairy-free and all the stuff that we found out she's allergic to. So we have to like go buy all the hippie snacks. No offense to you hippies. Uh, <laughs> And that stuff gets expensive, right? And then you have to come up with the entertainment, right? Now we're going on like a 12-hour car ride. I've got to find a way to entertain my children so I don't kill them or decide that I'm just going to drive off the next bridge and kill us all. Because 
you know, there's only so many times you can take the are we there yet before you say no and we're never going to get there, right? You know what I mean? So all entertainment. Like last year we went on vacation and I got pulled over for going a little bit over the speed limit uh, because we were like 10 hours into our trip and we're going through Mississippi and I was done. Like I was ready to be there. So I'm like, okay, warp speed, initiate, right? But the highway patrolman that was hiding in the bushes, because they do that in Mississippi, uh, he did not like that I engaged warp speed. And he thought that I saw him and sped up and chased him. So he came up and he's yelling. He's got his, his gun, his gun, his gun unclipped and his hand on the gun. And he's got the posture, you know, like the posture you see on TV. It's real. They do the posture. And he was like, roll down the back windows. Because my, my, the, the car we're in, the windows are real tinted. So I like roll down the window slowly, you know, it's like, and there are my girls with their headphones watching like <laughs> Princess and the Frog. And he was like, huh? He clips the gun. He's like, why'd you run from me, boy? And I was like, I didn't run from you. I just didn't see you. And here's my stuff. Give me the $250 ticket for not going that fast. Um, by the time you get through all of that, it honestly seems like you need a vacation from planning your vacation. And here's the thing. Although all that aspect is not fun and that aspect in itself wears you out, you have to be prepared in order to have progress. If the day for the vacation arrives and it's time for us to move, it's time for us to go, and we have nothing prepared, the vacation doesn't happen. Then we get off to a late start, everybody's stressed out, and vacation stops being fun before it ever started. Here's the thing that we learn from Joshua today and that my vacation story applies to. In order to move, when the time comes to move, you have to be prepared to move. Pretty deep, huh? In order to move, when the time comes to move, you have to be prepared to move. Here's the thing. God is moving in our lives, always. Behind the scenes, even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, God is moving. And eventually, he's going to get to the point where he needs to move you so that you are in accordance with his plans. But if you are not prepared to move, when it comes time to move, then you will not move and you will miss out on God's blessing. And that's what we are trying to avoid. We need to prepare for progress. We must, in fact, prepare for progress. So we're in Joshua chapter one again. We're looking at two verses in Joshua chapter one today, 10 and 11. So last week we talked about God's kind of commission of Joshua and the blessing that he gave Joshua and the promises that he gave Joshua. And immediately after that promise stops, this is what happens. It says, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take the possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. The first thing we need to know about preparedness is that it requires obedience. It requires obedience. Okay, in Harry Potter, there's a character that I love, Professor Alistair Moody. He's also an or, and he has this saying that he always yells with a growl, constant vigilance, right? Meaning always be prepared, always, at any time, for anything, be prepared. We need to understand that God is calling us to be prepared. We see it throughout scripture and we're gonna talk about it a little deeper as we move on. But we talked last week about how, again, Joshua was charged by God to, to lead the people. It took Joshua being obedient in order for them to be able to move forward and progress as God had planned. 
And he has a simple message for the people. Get ready. Get ready. You've got three days. You need to gather provisions. In three days' time, we move forward with God's plan, and you need to know that that's going to happen. Here's something that we as Christians need to cling to and understand and wrap our heads around and make our new truth. Preparedness isn't a sign of lack and trust in God. Okay? Preparedness isn't a sign of lack and trust in God. Too many people live by the saying that God will provide. Well, pastor, isn't that true? It's absolutely true. 100% God will provide. But that's not an excuse for not being prepared. If we look at the people in this time, as they're getting ready to move into the land of the Canaanites and go and take possession of it, they are still provided manna daily by God. Right? Manna is falling from heaven. Their source of food, their source of nutrition, God is giving that to them still. But if you remember Early on, when he first started giving the people manna, he said, you'll go, you'll collect enough for the day, and you'll leave the rest. And what did people do? They said, uh-uh, we're not going to be hungry again. So they go and they hoarded it, and they took all the toilet paper. No, I'm kidding. They, they, they took all the manna, right? And the next day, when they went to go back to their barrel of manna that they had collected, it was rotten. It was no longer good. And so they're still being given manna, but manna lasts for a day. And so God calls them to gather provisions. He tells Joshua, prepare your people. So Joshua says, hey, you've got to get provisions because we're going to be gone for three days. For three days, you need to be ready for three days. And so what he was telling them to do is to gather grains and fruits, not only for the people so that they would have their strength, they're getting ready to enter battle, but also for the cattle and their livestock and everybody who needed to be provided for. You've got three days to prepare and then we move. Too often, Christians will take the approach that God will provide as an excuse to skirt responsibility. Well, God will provide, so I don't need to be prepared, right? God will provide, so I'll, I'll live with that outside of my means, right? God's going to provide, so I'm going to buy this thing that I really can't afford right now, right? I'm going to go get the new PlayStation, or I'm going to buy a new car, or I'm going to overextend my family's finances because God will provide. And what it really is, is foolish. It's foolish. It's really just unintelligent. Because what happens is, when we do things like that, we have to go and we have to fight a battle that we are unprepared for. Here I went and overextended myself. I'm putting more money out than I need to, more money out than I really can afford to. And now my roof got ripped off or there was a car wreck or now I have to pay for this new medication or my septic tank is overflowing or fill in the blank, right? Some disaster situation happened where I now need what God has provided for me, but I was off spending it in frivolous things, being unprepared, and now I don't have what I need. So we end up in battle without things necessary to win the fight. And that's dangerous. And like I said, really, honestly, it's just unintelligent. Pastor, do you have your head wrapped around finances 100% and everything's in order in your household? Finally, listen to this. Finally, for the first time, my wife and I, in two weeks, we're going to not be here because we're going to be on an anniversary trip. It'll be our 10-year anniversary. 
Okay, and I'm excited about that. And you, Jake will preach and you'll love it. And I won't be here and you'll probably love that too. Uh, but just don't tell me. For the first time in our 10-year marriage, our finances are finally at the place that they're supposed to be. I have been in ministry. I have been in my Bible for a really long time, a lot longer than 10 years. And yet still, I've missed out on this message and on the importance of being prepared and what being a good steward actually means. So do I have everything figured out? No, I would tell you I still don't. Do I still make mistakes from time to time? Absolutely. So I'm not standing up here as perfect Paul preaching down to the peasants who need my guidance, right? We're all in the struggle together. But what I'm telling you is that absolutely 100%, you need to be prepared for the future, whatever it may bring, because faith is not an excuse for foolishness. Faith is absolutely not an excuse for foolishness. If we look at Proverbs 6, 6 through 11, it says, go to the ant, you sluggard. What a good word. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? What a good word. When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. We must prepare while we can so that we can be ready when we have to be. Now, this is applicable to all of us individually and corporately as a church as well. And so let's talk about some of these applications. We're getting real practical today, and I really enjoy it. I like it a lot. Okay? So as far as personal things go, what about estate planning? What about estate planning? Men and women, how many of your families depend on your income? Right? Lots of us. All hands could probably go up in here. What happens if that income disappears? Because one truth that I know, that I have learned, and it's unfortunate, is you never know when your last breath is going to be your last breath. It's just the truth in this world. And if your family and if your people are reliant on your income and what you provide for them, you need to make sure that you have a plan in place in case something goes wrong. Right? Isaac and Kaylee up here, this beautiful, young, happy couple, which if you ever want to talk about Dave Ramsey and financial stuff and get everything in order, Isaac is your man. And I'm being completely honest. He will get you situated in no time flat. They know. We told them. We kind of asked, but we basically, hey, this happens. If something happens to Jarek and I, they get our daughters, right? That aspect of the plan we have. Do we have life insurance? Absolutely. Has it caused us to have to not have certain things? Not necessarily. It's a lot cheaper than I think you'd expect it to. Don't go out to eat one time a month that you normally would and you've paid for some amount of support, right? If something happens to us, we know that at least a little bit, they're going to be provided for. That if we disappear and our provisions disappear and our guidance and our parentage and everything that we have disappears, they have people that are surrounding them to support them and love them and that they will have a leg up in the future that they would otherwise miss out on if we were not prepared. So if you don't have some sort of estate plan put in place, I would encourage you to do so. Career moves. 
You know, I was taught from a young age that you never change jobs without having something else in place, right? I have (laughs) not done well at following that. There have been times, and we've all been there, you get frustrated, you get angry, you feel like you're taken advantage of, and you're like, deuces, I'm out. You're not going to do this to me anymore. And then we go out into the wilderness without our, without our spear, without our provisions, right? And now it's like, uh-oh, what do I do? But even if, even if it's not changing a career, maybe you want to prepare to move forward in your career. What is something that you need to do in order to prepare for that? Are there other certifications that you can get? Is there more training that you need? What are the things, what are the steps that you can do in order to prepare for your future? When God says, hey, I want to move you in this direction, are you going to be ready to move? We already talked about finances. We're going to do that again. Let's talk about corporately as our church. Is it important for us to plan for the future? Absolutely. What does our building look like in the future? Let's say that we prepare as we should for what God wants to do, what I believe God wants to do in this church. And we have that type of explosion where we are growing in our faith and we are growing in number. This building, even now, is feeling a little full at times, right? I mean, we don't have storage in our church. Like, literally, storage takes up a room that we could use as a classroom. And if we move stuff out of that storage, then it takes up another room that could be a classroom. So what does our future building look like? Is it here? Are there repairs that we're going to need for this place? Are we going to have the funds to be able to, to make those repairs when the time comes? What happens if our plumbing goes bad, which we're responsible for, right? What happens if our monitors all blow and we have to buy new ones? Are we prepared? Do we have a plan in place? Are we being good stewards of what you all, because, and and myself, I tithe as well, right? Are we being good stewards of what it is that God has gifted our church? It's very, very important. How can we in the future improve staff compensation while making sure that we don't get our finances out of whack and we're not focusing on things that aren't important? I don't know if you guys know this or not. Okay, and this is not a hey uh, a complaint on the salary that I get paid. Okay, I feel very blessed to have it. I'm talking about our other staff members. They don't get paid a whole lot. They don't get paid a whole lot. They are donating oftentimes their time. They are donating their effort. And yes, there are times where they are given a blessing for that but it's nowhere near what they deserve. That's just me being honest. Chelsea, for those of you that don't know, is a rock star. Like she is over there putting in work, teaching kids about Jesus, creating systems and plans and preparing those kids for their future relationship with Christ. She's an absolute rock star. She gets paid nowhere near what she deserves. Clay, been putting in work since the day he got here, okay? We actually have youth that come to our church and meet in a group from time to time, which is amazing because before Clay, it didn't happen. There was a space and time where we had nothing to offer them, and he's putting in work, and he's preparing for camp, and he's doing all these different things, and we maybe could cover a cell phone bill with what we pay him. Again, not a knock. I want to be very clear about this. Not a knock at all about what we are paying the individuals that we are paying, right? They are well worth that money. They're worth way more is all I'm saying. And so just as a church, when we think about our future, which I think is important, 
when we project on what the next 10 years looks like? How do we plan in a way that's responsible and that shows that we're good stewards of what God has entrusted us with? You know, really, honestly, what does the future look like in general? What do we change? Do we change anything? What are things that need to be different? These are thought processes that we must have. I want to be clear that I'm not suggesting at all that it makes us bad people or bad Christians not to have these things done, right? So if you're sitting there saying, I don't have any of this stuff done, I haven't even really thought about it, I've got no plan, I'm not shaming you. Nor am I sitting here saying that you're a bad person, nor am I saying that you're a bad Christian. What I am saying is that being good stewards of our talents, of our time, and of blessings that God has given us is a Christian ideal. It is seen and supported by Scripture that we are to act in such a manner. And so we should therefore strive to be people who are prepared for the changes that we may face in life. I want to remind you of Christ's response to those who are faithful with what they've been given. This is Matthew 25. It comes from one of Jesus' parables about the, the coins. And it says, His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. So if you don't remember what happens in this parable, right? This master has three servants, and he gives each of them a different amount of money, so to speak. To, to care for while he goes away. And the first two, they multiply the blessing. They take what he's given them and they're good stewards of that money. And when he returns, they're able to bless him and in turn receive a blessing with what they've been given. They were good stewards of what was given to them. The third one says, hey, I know that you can get angry. You scare us sometimes. You're pretty harsh. I know that you care about your money. And so I didn't want to lose it. And so I just buried it. I just hit it. Here you go. You have a bat. And he's like, you're wicked. <laughs> you could have at least put it in the market and let it grow and know that, you know, there, there would have been multiplication there. And so, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. This isn't God helping those who help themselves. We've all heard that saying. And that's saying not explicitly in the Bible. Not saying that it's not necessarily true, but if you're looking for a scripture that says God helps those who help themselves, not going to find it. But this is help yourself so when God calls, you can answer. When God calls, you can answer. Pastor, how can I prepare for things that I don't know are coming? Prayer is a part of preparedness. Prayer is a part of preparedness. You've heard me say it before. You'll hear me say it a million times that God needs to be involved in every single plan and decision that we make. From small to big, I think it's all important to pray about the decisions that we have to make. And so Joshua tells the people, that they're entering the land that God is giving them. Let's go back up. We're going to look at verse 11. It says, Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take the possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Okay? 
Not the land you're earning, not the land you're fighting for, the land that God is giving you. Understand, this is God will provide. But we can't forget that they were preparing before the provision. They were preparing before the provision. They had known since God delivered them out of Egypt that this was the plan. That Moses would free his people and take them to the promised land. And they took a lot of wrong turns and that their receiving of the blessing was delayed because of it. Okay? They knew the plan. But for those of us that don't, Prayer must be a part of our preparedness. We have to be people of prayer individually and as a church. We need to be praying that God shows us the way, right? That God will lead and guide our steps. And we get that leadership through prayer, through following the word, through diving in and making sure that we have that relationship with him so that we get used to hearing God call, right? It takes practice. That was one of the things I learned early on. I was taught early on that it takes practice to learn God's voice. If you're not used to having that communication with him, if that's not something you're doing, oftentimes you'll confuse the voices that you hear inside of your head. And I know that this seems (laughs) kind of borderline crazy when I talk about voices inside of our head, but make no doubt about it that there are at least two forces working in this world, God and Satan, and they're both chirping. And they both want you to follow the directions that they're giving you. And so it takes practice to understand and figure out this is where Satan's trying to lead me or this is where God's trying to lead me. And I'll tell you from personal experience that Satan can make his instructions look like sugar-cured bacon right? This, this seems like the delicious choice. I'm going to pick it only to be led into destruction. And so pray, seek what God wants from you. Express what it is that you want from God. Pray that he reveals his plan to you and pray for the successfulness of the plan. But understand that prayer is part of preparedness and preparedness prepares us to receive the provision that God is trying to give us. And it is hot in here. I need a sweat towel. You know, today is one of those days where it's not overly spiritual. And it's easy to feel like you're being preached at rather than preached to. That makes sense. So so being preached at is like me telling you how you need to live your life. Being preached to is like this is what we need to do. But I've already admitted that I have a lot of shortcomings in these areas. But I have also learned the importance of these areas as well. You have heard me say it in the past that our faith is not impractical. 
right? It's not. There, our, our faith makes a lot of sense. God's teachings make a lot of sense. If we were to remove God, and what I mean by that, if we were just to take the name God out of some of the teachings and we just put the teachings forward into the world as if they were given to us by Dr. Fred Fredrickson, people would be like, that makes a lot of sense, right? And so understand that I'm preaching to you. I'm looking at you saying these are the things that we need to do. And that being a leader in the world, being a, a, a Christ follower in the world requires us to be good stewards of the things that God has gifted us with. And again, part of that is preparing and having a plan. So I would encourage you in the different areas that we talked about today, that if you don't have a plan, to come up with a plan. To, to find someone who can help you build one, to talk about it with your spouse or another loved one or a financial planner or whatever else, okay? But this stuff's important. It's important. And frankly, it's godly to have this type of preparation in our life. With all that being said, join me in a prayer and then we will continue in our worship musically this morning. God, we come to you right now. We thank you for this day. I hope that uh, this message resonates with everyone like it resonated with me, God. So often we live life flying by the seat of our pants, right? We're, we're just tossed and turned by the changes that we face in the world, and we're kind of aimless, and we, we go through it without any preparation and then wonder how we end up where we ended up. But God, you call us to be a people who want our good stewards of the things that you bless us with, with the money that we have and the talents that we have. You call us to be good stewards, to be faithful with what you have entrusted to us. And God, if we do that, then I believe that you will entrust us with more. So Lord, I pray that you lay it on all of our hearts to see the importance of preparedness to not look at today's passage and just say oh it's just two verses in Joshua that are getting us to the next story or the next lesson they are important and they're powerful it's simple advice and yet it could change our lives and it could change our church So God, I thank you for being part of a congregation that loves to support one another and loves to build one another up. And I hope, I hope that you would lead us to lean on one another as we look towards our futures, both individually and as a group. Help us to be faithful and to be an example for others living in the world of what it looks like to be responsible with the blessings that we have. We ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I'm going to be right here, right up front, to pray with you. Um, I meant to bring a mask in case somebody wanted to pray and wanted me to wear a mask, but I don't have one. So if that's going to stop you from praying with me this morning, I completely understand that. Otherwise, if you need prayer, come see me. Let's talk. 
Let's pray for whatever need that you have. If you want to be baptized, like I said, come talk to me about that after church. We'll, we'll break it down for you and we'll go through all the details surrounding it. If you don't know Jesus and you want to have a relationship with a Jesus, a Jesus that makes sense, a Jesus that is practical and that shows us how we should live our lives, then you need to do that today. Your life will forever be changed and you will forever be grateful. I am 100% confident in that fact. Otherwise, stand and let's worship with us now.